being able to tell stories that are useful, empathetic, newsworthy in a quick manner on multiple platforms is that's a challenge right now. For some reporters, empathy is a scary word. After all, how can you be empathetic and impartial at the same time? But empathy may be key in fostering change in your community and in connecting with your audience. I'm Michael O'Connell, and this is It's All Journalism. Kim Bowie is a digital journalist who was previously editor-at-large for Now This News, focusing on original social reporting and breaking news. Kim is now the Director of Audience Innovation at the Arizona Republic. Welcome to the podcast, Kim. Hiya. <laughs> okay, before we get going, I, I wanted to thank the American Press Institute for helping to set up this interview. We, we recently announced our partnership with API, produced a mini-series of podcasts about API's Better News Initiative. You can find out more about that at betternews.org and itsalljournalism.com. So, Kim, tell me about your journalist journey. What got you interested in journalism, and how did you end up at the Arizona Republic? Well, none of it was intentional. Uh, <laughs> I was supposed to be a doctor, very specifically a virologist for the CDC, and organic chemistry is hard, very hard. Uh, <laughs> So that didn't work out. But I have always enjoyed writing as a kid. I used to write short stories. I did slam poetry in high school. I did a bunch of stuff like that. And when I decided not to pursue microbiology, I thought about what should I do instead? And I said, well, I really like writing. And the only two majors that really involve writing are English and journalism, and I like reading magazines, and journalists must make more money than English teachers. Um, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure that's true. <laughs> but so I switched my major at Iowa State to journalism, fell in love with the student newspaper, and then I started out as a city hall reporter covering a bunch of little cities uh, outside of Kansas City. And then I got interested in the web by starting a fashion blog and learned teaching myself HTML and CSS. Convinced somebody to give me a job as a web producer and then got laid off a bunch of times, switched back and forth between journalism, marketing, web, non-web, startups, traditional media, and ended up helping co-found Reportedly, which was a social reporting initiative, First Look Media. And that led us to Now This, which led me to here. Cool. So tell me a little bit about uh, your position and what is it you you do at the uh, the Republic? Like most of my job titles, we completely made it up. I, I'm over the breaking news in the social media desk. So there are breaking news reporters underneath uh, and breaking news editors underneath me, and then also a social media editor and producers underneath me. I have this kind of breadth of experience that is a little bit of a mix between breaking news and social reporting. We call it broadly like real-time news. And my boss, the great Greg Burton, who's a wonderful boss, he wanted to reinvent how the Arizona Republic did breaking news and did social. And there was a position open and he let me kind of craft it to what I want to do more of, which is kind of 
fusing the two together and exploring new and very different story formats. And so that's sort of what I'm in charge of. So that means everything from our Facebook page to, you know, an investigative report uh, to a really fascinating history project about sound bowls and investigative journalism that we're doing and a bunch of other random things. So they kind of let me break things here, which is great. Cool. You know, I worked at a, a news website. We, we dealt with breaking news. We were always thinking about how we can improve our, our social uh, footprint, you know, and sort of balancing that and finding new readers, but also sort of serving our readers with the content that they need. What do you see as coming the big challenges in the in the breaking news space as far as like, you know, serving your readers, you know, getting social media that helps to get your content to a wider audience, but also represents uh, the, the mission of the paper? That's a very weird question no 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 no. you you it's it's a good question i think it's tough right now so i mean we're coming off of el paso in dayton Mm -hmm. and the the thing that's hardest about breaking news and journalism right now is the more than 24-hour news cycle and how we keep pushing toward more and more information yet at the same time we are dealing with flailing readership, readership that is changing, trying to figure out how to better serve our, our audiences. It's a hard rub to be able to really do right by your readers in real time and be able to combat misinformation at the same time that you're providing useful information and deal with a essentially what feels what feels like sometimes a bifurcated audience, you know, your classic boomers who probably subscribe to the paper and are interested in, you know, kind of your classic news and then your younger generations, you know, Gen Z is very opposite. I just saw something that said they get most of their news from YouTube. So how do you do news that serves all of the above with less staff, it's hard. And I think in the process of doing, figuring that out, we've kind of forgotten about the audience and forgotten that we are not typical consumers of news. And, you know, you'll get journalists saying, oh, the audience doesn't want this. Well, how do you know? When's the last time you talked to a regular human? Do you know that they don't read CNN and New York Times and Washington Post and the Atlantic? Like, that's not typical. And so I think being able to tell stories that are useful, empathetic, newsworthy in a quick manner on multiple platforms is that's the challenge right now. Yeah. And this is not like we're facing this just this last week. This has been since since social media became such an important part of our, our mix. This is something we're still trying to figure out and thinking back to the the Boston shootings and how many lessons we learned out of that. And it seems like there are lessons to be learned from what happened in the aftermath of El Paso and Dayton, and it's constantly evolving, and, it, and it's a challenge because, you know, it's important that we, fi- we can figure out who our audience is and how best to serve them, but also verifying, you know, stories and, and news information and getting it out quickly so that people can use it if there's a, you know, certainly if there's a dangerous situation that they need to be, need to be made aware of. And the other thing you touched on is empathy, and this is kind of the the core about what we wanted to talk about, you know, before I mentioned the American Press Institute 
and you'd written a piece for them about empathetic journalism. It sort of inspired this conversation. How would you describe empathetic journalism? To me, empathetic journalism, honestly, is, is good journalism. But it is about really listening and trying to see audiences for who they are, not who we think they are, and letting them direct coverage a little bit more than we ever have before. It's, I always describe it as we used to do pedestal journalism, which is the, the kind of journalism where, you know, we know best, let us tell you what the news is. And empathetic journalism takes the other tack of like, I don't know about this. Please tell me more. We want to hear from you. I want to learn from you as a reporter as I do this. It takes the ego out of journalists, I think, a little bit. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, a standard journalist would probably say to that, well, you know, you know, my, my whole job is listening. I, I go out and I interview people and they tell me something and then I write it down and then I broadcast that out. I, I send that out. But, you know, the, what you're describing is something a little bit more than that. Yeah, it's not just listening to someone's responses, but it's really like deep listening, listening to their responses, trying to feel where they were trying to, you know, if you're writing a story about a drug addict who killed two people, trying to understand the motivations behind that person, what drove them there, and to see them as human, as a character, as a, as a person, and trying to relay that to the audience. I think we can sometimes get a little lost in trying to tell the story that we want to tell. You know, every reporter does that. You go out, you you have a story in your mind, and sometimes you can be a little resistant when the story is not the story you anticipated. And empathetic journalism says, like, okay, let's go with that. Let's see what the news story is. Let's listen. Let's try to understand your perspective. It's a, a lot more emotional. Yeah, I like what you said about taking the, the ego out of the reporter because quite often when you get a, an assignment or you pitch something, you have sort of this preconceived notion of what the story is and, and who you're going to talk to. And sometimes, you know, this happens a lot with people who are on a beat, you know, the city hall beat, you know, they talk to the same person. So they may not understand that the story, you know, those people may be good sources for part of the story, but they may not be the center of the story. They may not be the, the story that you know, your audience is affected by or is particularly interested in, you know, it's part of listening, but it's also identifying new different sources and communities to cover. I think, I mean, that's kind of what I, I gathered some from what you were writing. Yeah. It's a, it's a little bit of when you're out looking for sources for a story, instead of going to the easy, the easy person, you know, the guy you've called 25 different times, it's about finding the, the more difficult to find person. And it's, and it's a way of this empathetic reporting process is a way of getting at covering diverse communities in a way that doesn't continue disenfranchising them. One of the things I write about in the report is that, you know, newsrooms have tried to diversify a lot. And I think it is very important that newsrooms continue to try to mirror the communities they cover in terms of makeup of their staff. But in the absence of that, that does not mean that the black reporter covers the black community. That does not mean that 
I, as an Asian American woman, am the only person that's qualified to cover Chinese New Year. Or that Chinese New Year is like the correct story that we should be doing. Or the correct phrasing. I want people to start thinking about anybody can cover these really tough topics. And just because you are a white man who grew up in a middle class household does not mean that you can't go into South LA and do a good job covering it. That doesn't mean that you can't, you just have to really adjust how you approach it. And how you approach it means that you have to be ready to listen, to be yelled at, to be told you're wrong, and to really ask, like, what have we done wrong? And sometimes put away the notebook, you know, sometimes just go back to being a person. There's a connection between humans, regardless, you know, um, you could come from very, very different backgrounds, but you love the same band, you watch the same TV show, and it's pulling those strings a little bit to form more connections. It's really hard because I think a lot of journalists were raised, I mean, I was raised as a journalist in the, you know, you don't want to be biased. You want to be very objective and stand kind of far away from your sources. And I don't think we can stand to do that any longer. Yeah. It's something that you mentioned in your story is a sort of empathy versus sympathy. You know, how does that, you know, because a lot of a lot of journalists will come back and say, well, I don't want to be, you know, just telling their side of the story. I, you know, I want to be, you know, maybe I want to be empathetic. But, you know, where do I draw that line? What what is the dif- difference between just writing something that's sympathetic and biased and, and something that's sort of empathetic and, and enriching? Yeah, what's funniest about the process of writing this report was almost every single journalist I talked to with very few exceptions, when I brought up like the idea, the word empathy, they're like, oh, no, I, I, I'm not an empathetic reporter. You know, that's that's too nuanced. I don't want to get that close to my sources. And then I would talk to them for a fair amount of time. I'm like, you clearly are an empathetic reporter based on the reporting that you do, based on the stories that you tell. And over the course of you know 45 minutes, an hour, by the end, they're like, oh, yeah, I guess I do use empathy too. <laughs> to relate to a sort of it's an uncomfortable word. Sympathy is a terrifying word to journalists. And I can understand that. But empathy is not about feeling for a person and, you know, wanting to help them. Sympathy is about, you know, oh, I feel so terribly for you. We've, we've got to do something. Empathy is about like, I get you. I get where you're coming from. And good storytelling can showcase somebody else's perspective. Yeah, we did a, a podcast recently with uh, Helen Obinius, who's a reporter in, in Philadelphia. And she sort of made it a point to try to find communities that were underrepresented in coverage and going into the communities, showing up at meetings and gatherings where reporters wouldn't typically go just to listen to, you know, what's on your mind? What are your concerns? You know, you, you kind of alluded to it before, the journalists are hard pressed sometimes to do, you know, do their job, the lack of resources, the lack of personnel. And I think, you know, once you start listening to your audience and seeing what they really need and want from a news outlet, you begin to, it sort of opens up a, a door to a new type of journalism. And I think there are a lot of older journalists or more traditional journalists or people who have been trained in a traditional way who are resistant to it, who aren't you know, who sort of fall back on the, well, I got to be, I got to be unbiased. 
know, I don't want to be perceived as, you know, picking a particular side or something. And I think that can be problematic. Yeah, but that's not, you know, what we used to get into this argument with some of some people at reportedly, that how can you be pro-Palestinian or whatever it is? pro-refugee and um, our response was like we are not pro anything or negative anything we're pro humanity (laughs) we're pro people living and not dying and we're you know if that makes us (laughs) pro-refugee then in your eyes then that's fine but what, what we're about is we're about understanding somebody else's life and knowing where they come from to fully understand a larger idea. Immigration is a big topic where people are very scared of being empathetic around it. And when you are empathetic, you get accused of being sympathetic. And that's, I think that's the confusion of the two, the two kinds of psychology or the two kinds of emotion. Yeah. In the piece that you wrote, you described three kinds of empathy, cognitive, behavioral, and effective. How does that work in a reporting situation? Affective is the kind that that is like probably the closest to sympathy, and it's the one that people are a little scared of. It's the idea of like emotionally and physically experiencing somebody else's perspective. So the other two, I think, are are much more comfortable for most journalists. And I was pretty cognizant of the fact that like not everybody is a naturally empathetic person. That's not always intentional. Yeah, I mean, you have people like, okay, somebody on the autistic spectrum might not be able to really feel somebody else's emotions because of because they're neuroatypical, right? But you can practice behavioral empathy, which is honestly good listening. It's, you know, if we're sitting next to each other, looking in your eyes and nodding and, you know, pausing at the correct time and handing somebody a tissue if they're crying. None of that is sympathetic, but it's it's really just body language and verbal communication that says like, okay, I, I'm trying trying to understand your perspective. doesn't mean you're successful, but it means you're at least trying to understand that person's perspective. And cognitive is, is to me the ideal for a journalist, and it's not too much either way. And not everybody, again, is capable of this. And it's, it's the ability to see the world through somebody else's perspective. So Lane Gregory, who I quote in the piece, and who honestly is one of my favorite journalists of all time, is so good at this. And her writing is so clear in this. She writes about really tough topics in a way that makes you feel like that person or understand what happened through their eyes or what they were thinking at this crucial moment or what it is like to be them. And it is a lot of work, emotional work on her part to get to that point. And I think she is probably one of the most empathetic journalists that is writing right now, but that's, that's something to work toward. And at the very least, everyone should be able to practice behavioral empathy. You know, at the very least, just like, you know, nod when someone's someone's crying or look into somebody's eyes as they're telling you something particularly difficult. So sort of to build on that, you know, what strategies can a journalist use to be more empathetic? And, you know, how can a newsroom maybe promote that or maybe even train people to be more empathetic? It's a time consuming process. And it's, it's like deep work that is like kind of akin to 
to therapy, honestly, to get there. I think if you're a beat reporter, the very least you can do is sit at the local coffee shop and listen, hang out, attend those meetings, just like that reporter in Philadelphia you mentioned, just like attend a meeting without the intent of writing about it, but just to be there, just to hear people. Try to spend more time with your sources, especially if you're doing something, a story on something that's particularly difficult to to shine a light on. And then there's a couple of tips in my report from other journalists about like more daily work, where very simply, if you're not from someone's background or you can't naturally see somebody else's perspective, you can just say, I don't know what it's like to live as a transgender woman. I expect it's probably very difficult. I want to learn more. And just admitting your own lack of knowledge. I mean, be well read, of course, before you go in, but the very least just, you know, say what you know, say what you don't know, and then be open to being wrong about all of those. You touched on this before. We talked a little bit about diversity, diversity in the newsroom. And, you know, that may be something that, that's not – you bring up the subject of empathy and being more empathetic. It may not be something that you you think about, that, that diversity is part of this mix, that you're covering stories of, of people who have a, a different background than you, that you're, you're trying to create a more diverse newsroom so that you can be more sensitive to different types of stories. What role does sort of diversity figure into the, this empathetic model here? I think they go hand in hand. If you're really empathetic to your community, then obviously you're going to cover the things that you may not naturally want to cover. You know, instead of covering that story about, you know, how they're raising water rates, you go hang out with the single mom of two who can't pay her bills and thus her kid can't get water on a daily basis and sort of understand asking that next question, not just like what is the story, but what is the story and how do people live that story on a, on a daily basis? And it takes a little bit of fact-finding, I think, especially if you're not from that background. And it takes a lot of preparation and reading and trying to understand, at least trying. I think the effort is welcomed by pretty much anybody. Effort is better than no effort. In newsrooms generally, how good or how empathetic do you think journalists are in general? I think for a narrative storyteller, you know, somebody who has the luxury and the luck of being able to write 80-inch stories uh, that are a profile of one person, they're probably natural empathetic journalists. Like They, they, they are that without training. Um, I think it's much harder in, in beat reporting and it's, it can be tough if you're like a daily photographer, or videographer, somebody who has to, has a daily churn. It's particularly hard for like city government reporters. Like that, that's tough, you know, because you're covering the city budget and you're only talking to council people all day. And I think that that is really hard. Politics, I think it's tough. I think if you're covering utilities, it's hard. But there are people who are good at it. And it is sort of related to people who, the kinds of people who pursue solutions journalism or restorative narratives or kind of the, these, this new kind of reporting that is starting to emerge that 
is at its base empathetic journalism. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because this is not you, you say. Yeah, it's difficult in political coverage, but it's surprising how you can sort of use this approach in different types of journalism where you wouldn't think. For example, in your story, you talk about a sports journalist who decides to take this approach. Can you sort of talk about that story? I think no matter what you do, you can always look for like the easiest answer is look for the people, right? And and that's something we we talk about all the time in journalism, but it's look for the people and really, really tell the difficult story. So, you know, if it's instead of covering like the games for sports, you know, like game coverage day to day, it's actually covering each player and where they came from in a sort of hard knocks kind of way. You know, they, this is the adversity they're going through. This is how difficult it is for them. I think that is much more empathetic and really shows people the humanity behind folks. Even like politicians have humanity <laughs> in there or they have humans who work for them. Like shining that light, really shining that light on things that people can see in themselves, right? And things that they can relate to. These are lessons that we've all learned and we all know, you know, to be a good narrative reporter, you have to find the human being in the story, something that's relatable to people. It's strange that we have to sort of push ourselves toward that, which is so core. But maybe part of it is, you know, some of the other challenges that we face as journalists, you know, covering our beats, dealing with less resources, trying to figure out what our focus is in sort of this new digital space. How do we work on this 24-hour news cycle? How do we break news and, and do social media and, and at the same time tell stories that people want to hear that reflect real human conditions and real human stories? It's tough. We're, you know, our life is really tough. <laughs> <laughs> our lives are, I mean, our lives are tough. And I don't want to make it seem like narrative journalism is the only way to do empathetic journalism. You yeah. know, I came up in the age of, uh, what is it, news you can use? News you can use kinds of stories and the rise of the listicle. And so you can make those kinds of stories empathetic. I mean, just look at the how popular uh, personal essays have gotten yeah. or um, as told to stories. And those aren't, those aren't heavy lifts. And you can do those on a day-to-day basis. Today, the Arizona Republic launched this um, story that is about Latinos living in fear. And all we did was ask, you know, Latinos across the country, six, I think it was about six questions. And they were pretty basic. And it didn't take that long. It took us about a week to do it. And they were questions that were super open-ended, like, what are you afraid of? The answers we got to them are just, I mean, I I watched one of the videos today, and I, I just almost cried because it really got to what it's like to be somebody who's Latino, regardless of your background, even if you're like eighth generation, and what it's like to live today, and what it's like to be that person. And it's simple. And that was a what, like three, three, four, five day turnaround story. So it can be done quickly. Yeah, it's also a matter of uh, story choice, and source choice. You don't necessarily have to go deep. You just have to maybe put a little extra effort into thinking about how you're going to cover a story and who you're going to talk to to get something that's a, that creates this this sort of empathetic dialogue that your your readers will relate to. Get 
was when I talked to him, told me this like really great thing about like managing people this way, which he was like, you know, some people they're just they're just not empathetic people. And I can't make somebody empathetic. But he said, you know what I can do is I can force them to say you can't quote the seven the same seven older white men for this story. You have to find new sources. And yeah. you can force empathy in in that way with just like calling someone different. And that is the least you can do. And he was like, maybe they're never going to become an empathetic reporter, but at the very least I can get them to try. Right. And also to be open for telling the story as it is sometimes, you know, you know, getting past your preconceptions. And, you know, I've had instances where I've shown up to a story. I thought it was going to be one thing and it was something very, very different. And it's like, well, I'm here. I'm going to report the story that, as it is and talk to the people that, that are affected by it and tell that story rather than the story I was assigned. Kim, this is this has been fascinating. If your readers are going away because you're doing the old type of journalism, you're not trying something new. Maybe you should try something new. And maybe you should try empathetic journalism. Thanks for being on the podcast. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the people who make the news. You can find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. While you're visiting our website, why not sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter? You'll get all the latest info about our podcast, including episode notes and news about live events and upcoming interviews. Go to itsalljournalism.com to subscribe. We also just posted the results of our online survey about journalism resources. Check out what tools some of our readers are using to make good journalism. Everyone who took our survey received a free It's All Journalism mug. If you'd like to score a mug of your own, take one of our surveys. Go to itsalljournalism.com to learn more. It takes a lot of people to create an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicole Lagrisco produced this episode. Amber Healy wrote our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music. Emilio Brust helped with our booking. Nicholas Hunter provided a web assist. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening.